for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Psalm 127, the first verse. If you are taking notes, and you should be taking notes because nerds rule the world, here is the title of the message. And I'm giving you, I'm front-loading this. I'm giving you all of this up front because once I start, I'm not going to be able to stop, okay? So the title of the message is Meet the Architect. Meet the Architect. There is a, uh, there is a description about God and a characteristic about God that I need you to get today. You, you need this context for your life because while he is omnipresent, while he is omniscient, while he is all uh, everything, all sufficient, self-sufficient, self-reliant, uh, all powerful, he is the creator of all. Uh, there are these descriptors, as we have seen in the Old Testament, uh, uh, describing certain attributes about his personality and his character. There uh, is this uh, uh, attribute that I want to share with you about him being architect, that, that, that word and its definition and, and what it means to see God uh, as architect. There's no Jehovah architect. So don't go looking for that name in the Bible because it doesn't exist. And if you use it, people will look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> Jehovah Architect, that's just not going to work. Um, but, but I want to show you something uh, about him and, of course, back it up with Scripture so that you can uh, be confident that um, just not trying to make up something cute to say on a Sunday morning. Psalm 127, verse number one says this. Unless the Lord builds a house... The work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. I'm going to read it again because there's only one verse. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. Meet the architect. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to build right. Amen. This thing that's uh, interesting uh, about Psalm 127, verse number one, is that it makes this statement that seems a little bit redundant. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, who's building? It's not one or the other. It's both. God is the builder, and we are the builders. But God's building portion is to lay out the design, the architectural blueprint of what this is supposed to look like. Our response to his design is to build exactly what he told us to build the way he told us to build it. What the scripture is promising is if that if you would build according to his blueprint and his design and his plans, his pattern. Then you're going to have a blessed result. But if he gives you something to build and you choose to build something that does not look like what he designed. You've wasted your time. 
If he said he wanted a three-bedroom, two-bath house, but you wanted a five-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath house, you've wasted your time. And you get to live there by yourself because he's not coming to live with you. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's three points to this message, and I want you to write these down. Hopefully, they will be a blessing to you. Point number one, please write this down. The architect is specific. This architect I'm talking about is very, very specific. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter number six, verses 14 through 22. He's talking to Noah. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but, my, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did, this next word is important, exactly as God had commanded him. The architect is very, very specific. Here's the reason why this was so important, especially during this context in time. God comes to Noah and says, uh, I've judged uh, the world. I've found it to be unrighteous, and I'm sending a flood to the earth. Sending rain uh, of epic proportions is going to uh, uh, be a flood, and anybody that does not want to get into the boat with you is going to die. So I need you to build a boat. Noah has never seen a boat in his life. So I want you to imagine having a relationship with God and him coming to you and saying, hey, I need you to do something for me. And you go, I'm willing, Lord. And he goes, build a boat. And you're like, what? A what? What is a boat? He says, well, I need you to build this boat because it's going to rain. To which Noah replies, what is a rain? Because up until this point, it had never rained before. But here is the beautiful and profound thing about a relationship with God. When he tells you to build something, it's never according to what you see. It's according to what he says. He's not telling you to build something that you've seen before. He's telling you to build something that you've never heard before. And it is important for us if we are going to be people that represent heaven on earth, that we listen very intently to the voice of God because he wants to reproduce some things in the earth that no one has ever seen before. But it won't be inspired by what you see. It literally has to be birthed by something that you heard. He says, I want you to build a boat and I want you to build it this certain way. If you look at the specifics of the boat, they're magnificent. Anybody seen those freight cargo 
boats that are in the water that, that ship containers and stuff like that. Do you know it's built off the same specs as this boat? To this day, what God told Moses to build was absolutely phenomenal, especially since he had never seen it before. I want you to build this thing 450 feet long and I want it to have three decks and I wanted to have a lower, a middle and an upper. It could hold 25,000 tons of weight. This boat that 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 uh, Noah built. And the, the animals that came into the boat, they were not squished in the, the, the boats. I'm sorry, the animals that came into this boat literally only took up half the space of the entire boat. So they were not squeezed in tight. God gave them a little bit room, a little bit of room to move around. This boat was not built for navigational purposes. It was built for survival. So it did not have a rudder to steer it. It did not have a, a steering instrument to guide it. Because how many of you know, if God is the one that gives you the architectural designs for the boat, you don't need to know where it's going. He knows how to get it going wherever it needs to be, when it needs to be there. But there's an important word that is very, 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 very crucial, and it's the word exactly. Noah built exactly what God had told him to build. Can you imagine if Noah decided, you know, I, a boat, does it have to be that big? I mean, how many animals are going to come? I don't think it needs to be that big. You know what, honey, it's going to take too long to build. With Let's just do half. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Can you imagine if, if Noah would have said, but this door, this door, it doesn't function well. The way you told me to, to, to build the door, I won't be able to close it. Can you imagine if he decided not to build the door the way God wanted to because he couldn't physically close it? Here was God's response. Hey, don't worry about that door. I'll close it. You have heard there's a scripture that talks about the fact that 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 God opens doors that no man can shut and he shuts doors that no man can open. The first manifestation of that was in Genesis. God is the one who closed the door. It was too big for Noah, his sons and their wives to participate in. He's the one who closed it. He's the one who opened it. They built according to the designs and Noah never saw a boat. He heard about the architect is very specific let me give you another passage of scripture luke chapter number five verses one through eleven one day as jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of galilee great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of god he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets stepping into one of the boats jesus asked simon its owner to push it out into the water so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let your net and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. 
When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a simple man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let me, let me say something to the business owners in the room. Uh, if you own a business, you are uh, 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 the, the upper management. You, you are in the C-suite. Uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your business becomes his business. Your soul doesn't belong to Christ and your business belongs to you. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, everything that is with you and about you becomes his. Jesus comes down uh, to uh, the seashore while Peter and uh, uh, his brother have been washing their nets. They've been washing their nets because they had just got off work. Between 8 and 12 hours, they had fished all night. They hadn't caught a thing. Jesus walks up and he says, hey, can I use your boat? I need to preach a little bit. They were like, fine, man. We don't care. We didn't catch nothing last night. We're not using it. Didn't work for us. Maybe it'll work for you. He gets in the boat and he preaches. When he's done preaching, he says, hey, let's go out into the deep and catch some fish. This is when all the business synapses start going off. <laughs> okay. Okay. You want to, now you want to get in my business. See, I, I, I fish for a living. You rabbi for a living. <laughs> Why don't you let me fish and you rabbi? I don't come to where you work in the synagogue <laughs> telling you what passages of scriptures to read. On what days? On what side? Why? I mean, why are you in my business? Jesus made their business his business. And he made it his business in a way they had never thought about practicing their business. He said, hey, let's go out into the deep and catch some fish. It was probably like, <laughs> yeah. So... Here's the thing, sir. Um, again, we fish for a living. It's what we do. We've washed our nets. Um, we fish at night. The reason why we fish at night, you probably don't know this. The reason why we fish at night is because um, the fish are usually in the shallow part of the lake. They come to the shallow part of the lake at night. That's why we fish at night. Come up and we cast our nets in the shallow part of the lake. Because at night, they can't see the nets. Get it? <laughs> we usually catch some fish. For the last 8 to 12 hours, we just did this. Now, you show up. Use my boat to preach your sermon. Now you're trying to get in my business. Now you want to take the boat into the deep end of the water where we don't fish. That goes against all business ethics in the fisherman industry. But you want to go to the deep end with some nets. They call it deep sea fishing for a reason, sir. Usually have some poles. 
a fishing line, and some bait. So you want us to go into the deep end and just, <laughs> just randomly, you just want us to throw our net into the water in the daytime like fish are that dumb. <laughs> that they're just going to swim up into the net in broad daylight from the deep end of the water. But if you say so, that's the caveat you have to have if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You have to have the caveat that I know this seems absolutely foolish what you're asking me to do. It goes against all business practices. It goes against all common sense. But if you say so, we'll go. They go out there. And uh, there was some different about this business model that Peter would have never thought of. He would have never thought of it because he never heard it. The architect made different designs for his business model. He said, I want you to run your business this way because I want to teach you a lesson. They go out into the deep and the fish, they turn up in this net. Not a little bit of fish, a whole lot of fish. And not just a whole lot of fish, a whole bunch of fish. So many fish, in fact, that the net start to tear and the boat starts to sink. They yell out, help! They start calling for their friends. Please come help us. Another boat comes out. They throw their net. Their nets start getting filled with fish. Now both of the nets are starting to tear and the boats are starting to dip. And these are not small boats. These are some pretty considerably sized boats. In one moment, Peter has had more fish come into his net than any single day of fishing he's ever had in his business's history. And here is the response Peter has. <laughs> Make it stop, Lord. I am deserve to be here with you right now. There's <laughs> too many fish. I can't believe this worked. I'm a sinner. I need to get my life right. See, see, God doesn't have to spank you to bring you into his kingdom. Scripture says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. If he really wants to get you in, all he has to do is bless you so good, you know that you don't need to be blessed as good as he's blessing you right now. When he decides to bless you, you literally turn around and go, I, <laughs> I don't understand how I got a raise. I'm a hot mess. <laughs> I haven't tithed in like seven months. I have not been right. God, why would you do this? I just want to show you when I get ready to bless you, I can literally transform your life in just one moment. If you will just trust that I know how to run your business better than you. The architect is specific. Point number two, write this down. His patterns are important. You need to get this. His patterns are important. Exodus chapter number 25, verse number nine says this. You must build this tabernacle. This is God talking to Moses. And its furnishings exactly, there's that word again, 
according to the pattern I will show you. Now, if you were to read from Exodus chapter number 25, verse 9, all the way through Exodus chapter number 39, verse 32, you will see how intricately designed and involved God was in the building of this tabernacle. He was incredibly specific. He was specific on the size of the poles, the length of the poles. He was specific on the type of wood that should be used. He was specific on the type of jewels that were supposed to be used. He was specific on the type of skins that were to be used. Goat hair had to be involved. Goat hair. Exodus 39, 32. So at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. God says something that is absolutely incredible. He says, uh, you have to build this thing according to a pattern. Now, if you know anything about a pattern, a pattern means that there is a model or a template that already exists. And if you're going to build something, you have to build it according to that pattern, that model or that template. Here's what God was saying. Hey, listen, there is something in heaven uh, that I have up here that I want to see down on earth. But I need somebody that's going to be faithful enough to build exactly the way I tell them to build it. Because if you build exactly what I tell you to build, you will have on earth something that looks like what's in heaven. I need you to build exactly according to this pattern. You cannot mess this up. Please do exactly what I say, because I want to come down there. And I don't want to just come down there and visit. I want to come down there and dwell. But, but God is goat hair. Don't you want something better than goat hair? Just trust me. But God is just some wood. It's just a little piece of wood that's dipped in some gold. And uh, it seems crude. I mean, you're in heaven. You want me to just, just do as I say. So they built this thing. They built it with an outer court and inner court and, and the holies of holies. And, and they put all this stuff in, in, in the tabernacle exactly the way he said it. And here was the ultimate result. God said, that looks exactly like home. I'm going to come get in there. Ah, I can fit here. God, how can you fit your, your God? He says, anytime it looks like where I'm from, I'll come live there. I won't come visit that. I'll come dwell there. Just build it according to my specifications. Now, let me give you something in Hebrews. Whoever wrote Hebrews, I can't wait to meet this person. (laughs) Hebrews, if you have never read Hebrews, Hebrews is one of the most theologically beautifully written books in the entire Bible. Scholars have already ruled out that it wasn't the Apostle Paul because it's too good. (laughs) It was not Paul. Some scholars believe that it was Apollos. Apollos is what they call the silver-tongued orator. He was one of the most eloquent speakers uh, in the New Testament. Uh, We don't know who it is, but I can't wait to meet him. I just want to go shake this dude's hand, whoever he is. Says this in Hebrews chapter number eight, verse number one. Here is the main point. Listen to this man right. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. Just that sentence is dope. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. The true. Uh oh, stop. Let me not go too fast. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. 
Didn't God tell Moses to build a tabernacle? According to a pattern? That means there was one that already existed. He ministers in the heavenly tabernacle where, where, where God told, what God told Moses to build was for the, the priests to minister in an earthly tabernacle. In something that looked like heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we asking for? Blueprints. Will you please tell us some things to build down here that look like what's up there? He says, he says, there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure to be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Listen to me. God is looking for people. Whose ears are so tuned. That they will build exactly what he tells them to build according to what they heard, not what they saw. See, see, in the kingdom of God, our ears are our eyes. We'll say it again. In the kingdom of God, our ears are actually our eyes. In the kingdom of darkness, we have to see stuff. Then we believe it. The entire world is from Missouri. Show me. Show me and I'll believe it. If I can see it, then I'll believe it. But in the kingdom, your ears are your eyes. Faith come by and hearing by. You need to hear what he said and then you can get it. See, we don't get what we see. We get what we hear. That's why the prosperity gospel and that prosperity faith message couldn't last long. Because you were trying to name and claim stuff you saw, not stuff you heard. Oh, I see that house. You know what? God's going to give me a house just like it. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not going to give you something based off what you see. He's going to give you something based off what you heard. Did you hear that or did you just see it and lust after it? What are you hearing? Whatever you're hearing, that's what God is trying to deliver to you. But if you're inspired by what you see, you're going to miss the kingdom. Building according to what other men have built. That's not a blueprint. That's a playbook. God's trying to get you to build according to his blueprint, not a playbook that you saw from somebody else's company, somebody else's business, somebody else's marriage, somebody else's church, 
somebody else's work, somebody else's ministry. That's not where we get our inspiration. We get our inspiration from getting on our knees and asking God, would you please tell me what you want me to do in this situation? I'm inspired by what you told them to do, but I need a word for my life. This This is what he's telling us to do. His patterns are very important. If, if you don't get the patterns right, then, the, then you will be building something that doesn't look like him. Point number three, right, please write this down. There are only two patterns. There are only two patterns. Romans chapter number 12, verse number two says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Now, now let, let me let me make sure you understand this, because a lot, a lot of times we like to uh, flatter ourselves into thinking that that. <laughs> That we're innovative enough or creative enough uh, to somehow uh, penetrate the spiritual realm and be a part of it in a way that's significant. And we're not. We're just not. There are only two patterns. There's a demonic pattern and there's a godly pattern. There are not three patterns, right, which would be a demonic pattern like a human pattern and a godly pattern. Like, we're just not that important. Like, we're just not that significant to this whole thing. We're only being influenced by two patterns. It's either a demonic pattern or it's a godly pattern. If that word is in any way freaking you out, then I'll soften it by saying a fleshly pattern. But a fleshly pattern means that you're in your sinful nature and your sinful nature is the devil's playground. It's a demonic pattern. I'm just not going to be in church trying to soften up biblical language. Because you're going to choke on this. Grow up. Get some teeth. Let's chew some meat from his word and become disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? Listen, here's what he's saying. Um, there's, only, there's only two patterns. You're either going to have, uh, you're either going to be conformed to this demonic pattern or you're going to be transformed into this godly pattern. There's only two ways about it. And here, here's the thing I want you to understand. This word conform, uh, uh, I'm a nerd and so... Um, uh, when I first gave my life to the Lord, there were scriptures that resonated with me and jumped out at me and that I meditated on over and over and over again. Romans 8 and 1 was one of them. Uh, Romans 8, 11, 12, and 13. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 1. Uh, Galatians uh, uh, 5, uh, uh, 22, 23, 24. Um, uh, there were just several passages that I just began to digest and eat over and over again because if you're going to have your mind transformed, it's only going to come through God's word. It's not going to come through anything else. Well, I love worship. I listen to worship all day long. Worship ain't the word. They might be singing some of the words. You need his word to transform your mind. Okay? You're renewed in your mind by the washing of the water of the word. You need to let the word get poured over your mind, saturated. If you know more R&B lyrics, rap lyrics, pop lyrics, verses, then you know biblical verses. You need to have your mind renewed. That's all I'm saying. I know your favorite MCs got bars and you love them. 
but, but they will change your attitude. The word of God will change your attitude, but these other verses will change your attitude, too. So we have to make sure we're being inundated, flooded with the right words that produce the right results. Are y'all with me? So, so he, here is the Greek word for this word conform. It's suskat ma'idzo. Uh, it's one of the first words that I learned in Greek without paying for it. So if I haven't pronounced it and there's a Greek among us, then correct me afterwards. To shape one's behavior is what this word means. To shape one's behavior, to conform one's life, to, to be formed on the model of, to take on the form of something. Here, here is what the writer is saying. Paul is saying in Romans chapter number 12, verse number two. Do not be conformed. Don't take on the shape of this world. Don't be on the wheel that produces the form of this world. You'll be following a pattern that will produce negative results. Here's what he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, um, I know that you were born in sin. That's a state. But you're shaped in iniquity. There's something that's going to shape you if it's not this Bible. Insecurity is going to shape you if the word of God doesn't. A spirit of rejection will shape you if the word of God doesn't. Low self-esteem will shape you if the word of God doesn't. Lust will shape you if the word of God doesn't. Here's what I'm saying. If you do not allow God to transform you, you will be shaped by something. We were designed to be shaped. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's good. Okay, let me pause and say this. We were never supposed to learn by experience. How many people have heard the word, the statement, experience is the best teacher? Just let me do it and I'll learn. You were never supposed to learn by experience. We were supposed to learn by faith. The stove is hot. You were supposed to believe by faith. When your mama told you that stove was hot, that it was hot. You were not supposed to have a third degree burn on your thumb as a story for the rest of your human history that points to the fact that you didn't listen to mama. You burned yourself and now you know the stove is hot. Adam and Eve weren't supposed to learn by experience. They're supposed to learn by faith. Hey, don't eat that fruit because the day you eat that fruit, you will surely die. Well, amen, sir. I believe you. If you say I'll die, I don't even know what death is, but I don't want to know either. I like this eternal naked life. This is fantastic. It's hot outside. Thank you, Jesus. Keep this thermostat on 68 San Diego in Jesus' name. I love you, Lord. I don't like death. Satan was supposed to come. You're not going to surely die. Eat the fruit. No, man, I'll die. How do you know? Because he said so. Not eat the fruit, you know what, you was right. I'm in worse shape than I thought. We were supposed to learn by faith. But the enemy is like, no, try it. No, no, go out and try it. Get shaped. Get angry. Get mad. Get revenge. Wallow in your 
worry in your and in, in your and your past in your just 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 indulge yourself. And, and God's saying, no, you're not supposed to do that. Trust me, I want to show you something. There's only because there's only two patterns. Here's the other pattern. The other pattern is this godly pattern. But here's the only way you can get it. There's two words here that that really resonate and jump out with me and you have to get them. But let. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let, which means you have to give permission. God needs your permission to change your mind. God needs your permission to change your mind so that you can have a mind that's ready to receive what he wants to share with you and download to you in your life. But let God transform you. And this word in the Greek is the word metamorpho. The, 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 the most brilliant uh, example that God gave us in creation for this word metamorpho is a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. When you've seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly, you are seeing the epitome of this word transform. He says, let God transform you by changing the way you think. If you want to become a different person, it won't be. See, giving your life to Christ wasn't meant or intended to make you a better version of you. It was meant to change you completely from you into a different person. So that when the enemy comes to the address of your soul and knocks on the door, is Tim home? When Tim answers the door, he goes, no, this is the right address. Where's Tim? I'm him. No, you're not. You're not him. You don't even look like him. The guy I know had low self-esteem and insecurity, was addicted to pornography, was highly promiscuous. Where's that guy? Because I have, I have this little deed right here. Uh, I have a whole contract with his whole family, generational curse. Uh, and and we've, we've, I've been here for like four or five generations. So where is he? Because I got, I got rights to him. He's not here. He doesn't live here. Well, well, but you said you were Tim. Yeah, but I'm not the guy you're talking about. I'm not even a better version of the guy you were talking about. I'm a completely different guy than the guy you're talking about. Come on, man. Just stop playing. Bring him out. You don't believe me? Well, let me get the owner of the house. Who? Yeah, I don't own it. I just live here. It's not even my temple. It's his. I'm going to go get him because you don't believe me. I'm going to go get him. Hey, man. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how he talks. Hey, man. And, it's, and, and here, here's the thing about authority. Satan, there's no argument no, no more. Satan sees the Holy Spirit come to the door. He goes, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know you live here. You, how long you been here? Man, I've been here since 96. And that deed that you have, I, I'm, I'm sure you... I know that you know the law. And I know you know scripture. Um, so I, you can keep that, but it's, it's void because I have this deed here now states that there's a generational blessing on Tim and his family. And I wouldn't stick around because this is for a thousand generations. I'm trying to tell somebody in this room that when you get your life transformed, 
Every demon in hell with everything that used to come at you with literally has to turn around and walk away. Not because you're a better version of you, but because you now look like him. I'm not trying to preach a gospel that makes you feel better about you. We're trying to preach a gospel that kills you. And resurrects the loving nature of Jesus Christ on the inside of every human being that we come in contact with. That's what we're trying to do at Embassy. Listen, there are only two patterns. You have to choose which pattern. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You've already chosen which pattern. There's, 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 there's sins of uh, commission. That means you acted upon it. And there's sins of omission, which means you did nothing. If you've done nothing to move closer to transformation, then you have done something. By omitting the actual decision to say, God, I need to be transformed by you. And I have a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be transformed. Anybody beside me? I got a whole bunch of stuff. Some stuff needs to be transformed daily. Because I don't know how this works, Lord. Only you can figure this out. But caterpillar, butterfly, caterpillar. (laughs) It was a butterfly until 2 p.m. And then for some reason, this worm came out of me. I got worms everywhere, Jesus. It's so bad. I can't stand them. And you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll go, fine. I'll turn that back into a butterfly. As long as you recognize it's a caterpillar. Self-awareness. Ooh, I want to keep teaching. For some reason, I just, listen, listen, some of y'all going to grow up today. You're going to learn today. You have to grow because, because God, listen, there's some things that God wants done in the earth and he can only get it done through you. But, but you have to be working off the right pattern. See, I want my marriage built off of what I hear. Now, do, do you know why marriage is under attack in this country? Because the enemy wants to disrupt the pattern that's in heaven. You do know that marriage is a type and shadow of Christ and his bride. The reason why he wants to literally pervert that picture is so that nobody sees Jesus in love with his bride. Which is why adultery cannot exist in the marital pattern. You know why? It lies on the truth of Christ and his bride. If you're committing adultery, what you're saying about Christ is that he has a side chick. I am in here. If you try to twist and pervert marriage and try to make it same sex, you lie on the picture of Christ. Christ is not in love with himself. He is in love with his bride. This is all biblical stuff. And I don't care what happens in the courts. This is the kingdom. This is the reason why we call this an embassy. Because this is a sovereign piece of heaven that happens to be represented on earth. This is not America. The moment you walked on this parking lot, you were no longer in America. 
You're not even in Texas no more. The moment you stepped in here, you are in heaven. And what goes on in heaven is going to go on here. And if you don't want that, then go to a different pattern. This is strong, but I'm telling you, I feel this. As the senior pastor of this church, I feel convicted by the Holy Spirit to tell you that we are going to be a church that disciples people into bringing heaven to earth one person at a time, one family at a time, one business at a time, one soul at a time. So you need to meet your architect. He's awesome. And listen, he has plans for your life. If you've ever heard that, that's not a shotgun prophecy. God has plans for your life. That's actually a biblical word. But you have to go pull down the blueprint of what those plans are. It's not built on something that you've seen in somebody else. It's built in something that he wants to do with you. There is a unique authentic expression of the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring through you and he wants to do it when you meet the architect. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.